everyone, and welcome to Myth in the Mojave, a weekly half hour of storytelling and conversation about mythology and why it's important to our lives today. I'm your personal mythologist, Catherine Spela. I live in Joshua Tree, and I'm pleased to bring this program to the high desert and beyond here on Radio Free Joshua Tree. This week I'm going to tell you part two of the ancient Sumerian myth of Gilgamesh, the hero king of Uruk. Gilgamesh, you might recall, is two-thirds god and one-third man. And in part one of this story, he was causing a lot of trouble for his people because he had no equal. There were no constraints on his behavior. And the god Anu answered the prayers of his harassed subjects by asking the goddess Aruru to make Gilgamesh a fit companion, and she created the wild man Enkidu. In part two, we're going to see what kind of adventures these two get into together. A lot happens in this story, so I'm going to get on with it. And I would like to invite you to see your response to the story as a clue about the presence of these themes in your life right now. Part 2 of the Myth of Gilgamesh Gilgamesh has a dream, and Enkidu interprets it for him. The father god Anli has given you kingship he tells Gilgamesh, but not eternal life. And you are meant to appreciate your superior power and be wise and use your gifts justly. Gilgamesh was happy to hear this. But then he noticed that Enkidu was sighing and his friend's eyes were full of tears. What's the matter, my friend? Gilgamesh asked. I grow weak in idleness, said Enkidu. My arms have lost their strength. Gilgamesh thought of a place called the Country of the Living, a great land full of forests of cedar trees. I have not established my name as my destiny decrees, he said. My name must be written in the place where the names of the famous are written. And where there is no famous name written, I will raise a monument to the gods. Inkadu, there is an evil in the land, and because of this, we will go to the country of the living, to the cedar forest, and destroy that evil. Gilgamesh was thinking of Humbaba, a guardian demon whose name means hugeness or ferocious giant. When he heard this, Inkadu sighed bitterly and said, I don't know if that's a good idea, Gilgamesh. When I ran with the wild beasts, we went into the forest. It's 10,000 leagues in every direction. And the god Anli has instructed the demon Humbaba to protect it. The forest is a precinct sacred to the gods. And Humbaba is a fearsome creature. His roar is like a storm and he breathes fire and weakness overcomes anyone who sees him. It is never an equal battle. Humbaba will know as soon as we step foot inside his sacred precinct, and I don't want to go. 
"'What?' said Gilgamesh. "'Already you are afraid?' "'Inkadu, no man can live forever. "'Our days are numbered, and we have only our great names "'that can endure in memory, if we make them great. "'Look, even though I am your lord, "'I will go first into the forest, and you may follow.' And if I die there, at least people will say, Mighty Gilgamesh died fighting the ferocious Humbaba, instead of Gilgamesh sat around in his palace all day. Well, Enkidu said, If you insist on going, Gilgamesh, then go first to Shamash, the sun god, and tell him, because that country with the cedar trees belongs to him. So Gilgamesh took two kid goats to the altar of Shamash, and he prayed to the god. O oh god Shamash, he said, I am going to the country of the living, to the land of cedars, and I ask you to give me good omens and grant me protection so I return to Uruk safely. And Shamash answered from above. You are great, Gilgamesh, but why do you need to go to my country? Oh, God, Shamash, said Gilgamesh, here in the city men die oppressed. I see their bodies floating in the river, and that is the lot of human beings everywhere. Even the tallest of us cannot reach heaven, and this is my fate too. I will die, and yet I am destined to be great. But I haven't established my name yet, as my destiny decrees. My name must be written in the place where the names of the famous are written. And where there is no famous name written, I will raise a monument to the gods. Tears ran down Gilgamesh's face. Why did you make me so restless if you don't want me to do this thing, he said. You have given me this desire, and I cannot succeed without your help. If I die there in the cedar forest, then so be it. But if I return, I will make a great offering to you, God Shamash. Shamash showed mercy on Gilgamesh and his tears. He was a compassionate god, so he appointed all of the great winds, the icy ones and the scorching, the whirlwinds and the sweeping gales, as allies to Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh now went to the smiths and the makers of weapons and armor, and commissioned them to make great heavy axes and swords for himself and Inkadu, weapons that would be sufficient to fight an enemy so large and powerful. These axes and swords were so massive that only men with the strength of Inkadu and Gilgamesh could hope to wield them properly. The people and the counselors heard about Gilgamesh's plan, and they gathered in the streets and the marketplace. 
So Gilgamesh went to talk to them. I am going to conquer the creature in the cedar wood, he said, to show him the strength of the sons of Uruk and make an enduring name for myself, your king. The counselors all urged him to abandon the plan. You are very young yet, they said, and you have plenty of time for other, more prudent, heroic exploits. Gilgamesh, this is far too difficult. The forest stretches 10,000 leagues in every direction, and the god Anli has instructed the demon Humbaba to protect it. The forest is a precinct sacred to the gods, and he is a fearsome creature. His roar, they say, is like a storm, and he breathes fire, and weakness overcomes any who see him. It is never an equal battle. When Gilgamesh heard these words, he turned to Enkidu and said, Oh, so what should we say then? That I was too afraid to fight Humbaba and sat at home the rest of my days? Let's go consult with my mother, the wise goddess Ninsun. And so the two went to the goddess. And Gilgamesh told his mother of his plan. Will you pray to Shamash for me until I return? He asked her. Ninsun put on a beautiful gown and jewelry, and went to the altar of the sun. She burned incense and prayed, Oh, Shamash, you have given my son this restless heart, and now he sets out on a long journey to the cedar forest and Humbaba. I beseech you to protect him and keep him from harm. And then she called to Enkidu. I didn't give birth to you, she told him, but I adopt you now, as my son, serve Gilgamesh well, and bring him back to me. Ninsun gave Inkadu an amulet as her pledge to wear around his neck for protection. And now Gilgamesh and Inkadu put on their weapons, and the people and counselors gathered around to send them off. Be careful, Gilgamesh, the counselors said. Be strategic, and let Inkadu go first. He is experienced in battle, and he's been to the forest and seen Humbaba before. And now, Inkadu, we entrust our king, your dear friend, to your safekeeping. And then they offered a prayer for Gilgamesh. May the god Shamash grant you victory, they prayed, and let you see with your eyes what your heart desires. May he remove all roadblocks and stand beside you. And may you also have the blessings of your guardian god, Lugabanda. Wash your feet in the river of Humbaba every night and fill your water skin with pure water to offer the god Shamash. There is nothing to fear, Inkadu said. We are ready. Follow me, Gilgamesh. I know the way. At these words, the crowds dispersed, and the two friends set out for the cedar forest in the country of the living, and the fierce demon guardian of those trees, Humbaba. They walked for twenty leagues before they stopped to eat, and they walked another thirty leagues 
before they stopped for the night. They did this for three days, and the two of them walked as far as ordinary people do in six weeks. They crossed seven mountains before they came to the gate of the forest. And when they got to the gate, Inkadu felt faint. He said, wait, wait, don't open it. Gilgamesh, I am overcome with weakness. Oh, don't speak like a coward, my friend, Gilgamesh said. We have come too far to turn back now. Inkadu, you have been in battle before, and you know the action itself will bring courage. So stay close to me, and we will fight together and watch over each other, and leave an enduring name, even if we die. Together, they went into the forest. They gazed in awe at the beautiful, tall cedar trees. They saw the broad path through the forest and up the mountain, used by Humbaba. At sunset, Gilgamesh dug a well and made an offering of meal to the mountain, dwelling of the gods. Bring me a favorable dream, he prayed. Then he and Inkadu lay down, holding hands, and went to sleep. At midnight, Gilgamesh woke up. He woke up Inkadu to tell him his dream. What a dream I have had, he said, full of confusion and terror. I seized a wild bull in the wilderness, and it bellowed and kicked up dust to fill the sky. Someone grabbed my arm, and I fell back and then someone refreshed me with water. Dear friend, Inkadu said, that dream foretells the help that we will receive from Shamash and your guardian, Lugabanda. The bull was Shamash, and the one with water was your guardian. I had another dream, Gilgamesh told him. We were standing by a huge mountain, so large that we two seemed like tiny little flies beside it. The mountain fell and struck me. But then a bright and beautiful light came, and it pulled me out from under the mountain and gave me water to drink. This is a good dream, said Inkadu. The mountain was Humbaba, and we will surely bring him down. The next day, they walked for twenty leagues before they stopped to eat, and they walked another thirty leagues before they stopped for the night. Again, Gilgamesh dug a well just before sunset and climbed the mountain to make an offering of meal to the mountain, dwelling of the gods. This time, he prayed for a favorable dream for Inkadu. And a dream came, but it was an ominous one. Gilgamesh woke up again at midnight and woke his friend. Why am I terrified, he asked. My limbs are numb with fear. I had a third dream, and this time darkness fell and rained death. All brightness departed. The fire went out in Kadu, and everything turned to ash. They were silent. Let us come down from the mountain, Gilgamesh, and think on this, 
they left the mountain, and Gilgamesh took his axe and cut down a cedar tree. Far off in the distance, they heard Humbaba roar with anger. Shamash called down to them to have courage, but now Gilgamesh was suddenly overcome with weakness, and he lay down on the ground as if he was in a deep, deep sleep. Inkadu tried to rouse him. Don't force your mother into mourning, he said to his friend. And finally, after some time, Gilgamesh woke up. May I live to be the wonder of my mother Ninsun, he said. And now I am ready to fight this creature, whatever he may be. Now Inkadu said, Gilgamesh, you are not afraid because you do not know this monster with his fangs and fire and tremendous strength. But I do, and I am terrified. (laughs) Go ahead if you want, and let me go back to the city. I will joyfully sing your praises and tell the story of your great deeds, and then I'll mournfully sing of your death, because that is what awaits you. Come now, come now, said Gilgamesh, and take up your weapons. What can defeat the two of us fighting together? And if we are crushed, Inkadu, well, death is our fate anyway. You know you will never rest if you leave this fight. Humbaba came out of his strong cedar house with his eyes flashing. The time for talk and wavering was clearly over. Onward then, Gilgamesh, Inkadu cried, and these words gave them both courage. Go forward now, before he has time to fully arm himself. Humbaba fastened the eye of death on Gilgamesh, and the hero cried out to Shamash, I have followed the road that you've directed. Where is the aid that you promised me? Shamash heard him, and he unleashed the great winds, the icy and the scorching, the whirlwinds and the sweeping gales, and they blew in Humbaba's eyes until they watered and he could not see, and they held him in place so that he couldn't move. Gilgamesh felled the first cedar, and Humbaba flared and blazed but he could not move to stop him. They advanced, and Gilgamesh cut the second cedar. Again, Humbaba flared and blazed, but he could not move and could not stop them. Seven cedars Gilgamesh cut, and each time Humbaba flared and blazed to no avail. At last, Gilgamesh and Inkadu had reached the demon's house. Humbaba tried to move, but he was like a wrestler bound with cords, and he was no match for the winds that assailed him. The great demon turned pale and tears came into his eyes. I have never known a mother or father, he told Gilgamesh. I was born of the mountain, and Anle made me guardian of this forest. If you let me go, Gilgamesh, I will be your servant. 
I will even cut trees for you and build you a palace. Gilgamesh was moved. Inkadu, he said to his friend, why shouldn't we let this creature go free? Because he will kill you and others, Inkadu replied. You can't trust him. What you say is evil, Inkadu, said Humbaba. You don't want Gilgamesh to have another mighty friend. Don't listen to him, Gilgamesh, Inkadu said. He is a marvel, said Gilgamesh. There are other marvels, said Inkadu, and I thought you came for this glorious deed. Gilgamesh listened to his friend. He struck Humbaba in the neck with his sword. Then Inkadu hit him with the axe. Gilgamesh struck him again, and Tumbaba went down. Now the cedars shivered, and the mountains moved because their guardian was dead. Gilgamesh cut down a huge cedar tree, and Inkadu stripped it of its branches and floated it down the river. This will be the door of our new palace, they agreed. Then they covered Humbaba with a shroud and set the head before the gods. And when Anli saw it, he raged at them. Why did you do this thing, he said, and he cursed them. May the great fire that was Humbaba's be in your faces and in your bread and in your water for all time. When the two got back to Uruk, Gilgamesh washed his hair and put on his royal robes. He got ready to celebrate. And the goddess Ishtar, queen of heaven and earth and of love, saw him. He was magnificent. Come be my husband, she said to him, and I will make you happy. Gilgamesh, I will make you greater, richer, and more powerful than any man on earth. But what gifts can I give you in return, said Gilgamesh? Ishtar, I will gladly give you fine clothes and food and wine fit for a queen, but I will not make you my wife. Your lovers do not fare well, fickle goddess. Which of them have you loved forever? Gilgamesh listed the famous lovers of Ishtar all of them dead or transformed into birds or other animals. Won't the same thing happen to me eventually, he said. Well, the goddess Ishtar did not want to hear this. She went to her father Anu in the high heavens, weeping angry tears. Gilgamesh has insulted me, she fumed. Oh, I know what happened, her father said. And we both know that he told the truth. Father, Ishtar said, you give me the bull of heaven to destroy that arrogant Gilgamesh. You give me the bull, or I will smash the doors of hell and let the dead mingle with the living. If I give you the bull, then there will be seven years of drought on earth, Anu said. People will starve and suffer, daughter, unless you have laid aside sufficient stores of grain and grass for the cattle. 
I have saved enough, Ishtar said. So Anu gave her the bull of heaven. Ishtar took the bull to Uruk, and with his first powerful snort, a crack in the earth opened, and a hundred young men fell to their deaths. With his second snort, two hundred fell, and with his third snort, three hundred young men died. Inkadu leapt onto the bull and seized its horns. You wanted to be famous, Gilgamesh, he cried. Now thrust your sword into its neck. Gilgamesh did this, and they killed the bull of heaven. They cut out the heart and offered it to Shamash, but Ishtar cursed them. Woe to Gilgamesh for scorning me, she cried. Inkadu cut a piece of meat from the bull's thigh, and he threw it in the goddess's face. If I could lay my hands on you, this is what I would do to you, he said. That night, Gilgamesh had a feast in the palace. Dancing girls sang his praises. But Inkadu had a dream. In the morning, he told his friend, I dreamt that there was a council of the gods, and they said that because we killed Humbaba and cut the cedars and killed the bull of heaven, that one of us must die. Anle and Shamash argued, but in the end, they will take me from you. I will never see you, my dear friend, my brother, again. Inkadu started to cry, and then he became sick. Inkadu became very sick. In his suffering, he cursed the cedar trees and the gate they had made with his name upon it. Then he cursed the trapper who had found him, and then the woman who tamed him and brought him into the world of human men. Shamash heard him and called down from heaven, Why do you curse the woman, the one who taught you and gave you everything, who brought you to Gilgamesh, the friend who has loved you and made you a prince? He will mourn you, and the people will remember you when you are dead. Inkadu was sorry for his curses, and he replaced them with blessings, especially for the woman who gave him the life and the glory that he had enjoyed. Well, that night, he had another dream. This was a dream about his glorious deeds and about the dry house of death and the queen of darkness. With bitterness, he shared this dream with Gilgamesh, who marveled at its strangeness and left his side to pray for him. Twelve days, Inkadu suffered with his sickness, and Gilgamesh stayed by his side. On the twelfth day, Inkadu said, Because the great goddess cursed me, I must die in shame, here in bed, and not on the battlefield like a hero. And then Inkadu died. Gilgamesh wept and tore his clothes and raged about like a wild animal. And then he went to the counselors of the city, and he sang a song of Inkadu's greatness and of their deep friendship. He declared that all of the people of Uruk should mourn for him. For seven days he lamented by the body, but then the worms fastened on Inkadu, and Gilgamesh gave him up 
to the earth. Gilgamesh summoned the craftsmen throughout the land and ordered them to make a statue of Enkidu. When it was done, made of gold and wood and lapis luzi, he offered it to the god Shamash. And weeping, Gilgamesh left Uruk alone to wander. That's the end of part two of this story. And that's it for me, Catherine Savela, and Myth in the Mojave for this week. Feel free to contact me if you have comments or questions about today's program or mythology in general. You can visit the Myth in the Mojave website or find this program on Facebook. You can also email me through my website, mythicmojo.com. I'd like to remind you that Radio Free Joshua Tree and Myth in the Mojave are made possible by generous donations from our sponsors and also from listeners like you. You can make a donation by going to the Radio Free Joshua Tree website where there is a PayPal donate button waiting for you to take advantage of. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in next week for the third and final episode of The Myth of Gilgamesh. And in the meantime, happy myth-making and keep the mystery in your life alive. <laughs>